Hebrews 11 and verse 23 through 26 as we continue our series on living by faith. Hebrews 11, 23 through 26 says, by faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. Let's pray. Father, for your word today, we say thank you. It's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, it pierces us. It, 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 it heals us. It sets us free. I thank you, Lord, that we'll learn from you today, Holy Spirit, uh, that you'll take the poverty of my remarks and encourage each heart as we have need. And I thank you, Lord, uh, that you build us up in our faith as we gather together uh, in your name. Lord, I, I pray that you bless your people today in the name of Jesus. Amen. So on this series, Living by Faith, we've been getting to look back into the lives of these Old Testament saints and what they did that Hebrews tells us was by faith. And something we've been talking about on Wednesday night as we've been going through this in our Bible study is what is faith? If it's this important that this much would be dedicated to it in the scripture, what is it? Uh, if it's how we're saved, we ought to know what it is, right? It sounds like it's pretty important. Uh, Romans 5 tells us that it's our access into grace, that it's by faith we have access into the grace of God in which we stand. That tells me that it's pretty important. And just briefly, Faith is more than just believing in God. The book of James says you believe in God. Good for you. Even the demons believe in God. They hear his name and they tremble. Faith isn't just believing in God. Obviously, it is believing in God because you must believe that he exists. But it's also believing God, who he is, what he says, what he says about himself, what he says about you and what he has done for us. This life of faith isn't just us living our best life. It's the access into the only true and full life that there is. And last week we started talking about Moses when we read verse 23. We only made it one verse last week. By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that he was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. And don't forget what it was that he was born into. The children of Israel had moved to Egypt under Joseph so that they could survive. There was a famine in the land, but then all the elders died, including Joseph, who was a leader in Egypt. And there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph and treated the Hebrew people, the children of Israel, harshly. And he saw how they were blessed and he saw how they were multiplying. And he said, we have to do something about them. Otherwise, when there's a conflict, they're going to join our enemies and we will be surely defeated and they will live in our land and we will be exterminated. And so he began to enslave them and had those who worked over them to treat them harshly. But that wasn't enough. They continued to multiply. He went to the Hebrew midwives and said, if a boy child is born, you are instructed to kill it. Let the girls live, kill the boys 
and we'll have fewer of them. But the Hebrew midwives fearing the Lord didn't follow the king's command and they continued to flourish and continued to multiply. And he said he instructed then the entire nation of Egypt, all the Egyptians, if you see a Hebrew boy, baby born, throw him into the Nile River and take his life. And it was into this situation that Moses was born. And the beautiful there part tells us that his parents saw that he was special, saw that there was something about him that needed to be preserved. And they kept him hidden at the house for three months until they could keep him hidden no longer. And then she put him in a basket and covered it with pitch and asphalt and put it in the water, a wild place to put it. That's where babies went to drown, but that's where he would go to be delivered. She must have been led by the Lord. So she puts him down there. She leaves his little sisters there watching it. She can't stand but to do anything else. Maybe it's probably his older sister but sitting there watching it. Couldn't stand to do anything else. And she sees Pharaoh's daughter come down uh, to bathe in the Nile and she finds the baby there uh, in the water amongst the reeds. And she sees him also as beautiful and she takes him to herself. She adopts him. She's actually the one who named him Moses. We don't know what they called him before. She called him Moses because she drew him out of the water. And then he was raised in the household of Pharaoh. She adopted him, raised him as her own. He was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. That's what Acts 7 tells us in Stephen's sermon about Moses. And so today we're going to look at verses 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to a reward. Moses, like most, was a person of at least two parts. Right. He was a Hebrew and he was an Egyptian. He had the heritage of the people of God, but he had his experience in life as an Egyptian. For us, we have the spirit of God. We are believers. And then we also have what the scripture calls the flesh, don't we? We're a person of more than one part. And there came a day for him that he would have to decide what kind of man it was he was going to be. Was he going to be an Egyptian? Or was he going to be a Hebrew? And it's not difficult to see the correlation between the story of Moses and our life, is it? We are regularly, daily presented with this same question. Who are you? Who are you going to be? Who is it that you're going to be? Are you going to be of the kingdom of heaven? Or are you going to be of the kingdom of this World. And it was according to Hebrews 11, Moses made this decision and he made this decision by faith. And that's what it is we want to learn from today. He did it by faith. That's how he made the decision. We're learning from him. So we want to look at what he did. It says here he did some specific things. The first thing it said that he did was that he refused to be called. He refused to be called, by faith Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now that wasn't just who had adopted him, that was also an office and a position. 
That wasn't just a relationship to a lady who was the daughter of the Pharaoh. That was a position in even the government that would have been seen as one of authority and privilege. And he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So the first thing he did by faith was he refused to be called something. And as I was thinking on this and studying on this and meditating on this, a phrase came to mind. A phrase that I've been hearing a lot more in public, a phrase that I've been hearing on social media, a phrase that I've been hearing in videos that I think fits with what we're talking about today. And it's a phrase that when you hear it said, you really ought to pay attention. You need to pay attention and have your head on a swivel because it might be about to get rowdy when you hear this said. And I think it'll help us remember this point today about refusing to be called. And the phrase is, I'm not the one. Have you heard anybody say this? I'm not the one. And they usually say it with a lot of anger and again, head on a swivel because what they're about to do is tell you about yourself and maybe come upside your head with something. When they say, I'm not the one, what are they saying? What, what they're usually saying is, apparently you think that I won't say something, that I won't do something, that I can be disrespected, but I'm telling you, I'm not the one. That's what they say. I'm not the one. And again, the way they say it is about to result in violence, anger, idiocy. A lot of times I'm not wanting to point us there, but I like the phrase. I'm not the one. By the way, I think it's strange that we will brag about our inability to control ourselves. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, you don't know me. I will go off. I will lose my mind. I will go crazy on you. We will brag and boast about our inability to compose ourselves. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because you look like an idiot. I can't control myself is what we're saying. I can't control anything about me. That, that makes me awesome. No, it doesn't. That's terrible. We don't need to boast about our inability to control ourselves. Please don't do that. Again, this phrase, I'm not the one, means a lot of things. But today I think we can redeem it to help drive this point home. This I'm not the one. I'm refusing the definition that you are trying to put on me. I'm refusing to be called what you're trying to address me as. I'm refusing to accept that. Say, I'm not the one. Oh, come on. I don't do this a lot. Say, I'm not the one. There we go. I'm not the one. So as a believer, when fear and anxiety start to well up in you, you can respond and say, "Mm -mm, I'm not the one. I am not the one. When challenges about your past rise up in your mind or even from the mouths of others, you can say, not me. I'm not the one. Say, I'm not the one. When you have temptation to draw back into the old ways, into that carnality, into the inability to control yourself, you can say, I'm not the one. I'm not 
What did Hebrews 10 tell us? We're not like those that draw back and are destroyed. We are like those that have faith and are saved. Say, I'm not the one. When I have opportunity to lose my self-control or to walk in selfishness, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. Just like Moses, I may be from where you say that I'm from. And I may have done the things that you say that I've done. I may have been through what you say that I've been through. But by faith, I don't have to live under that definition. I don't have to live under what that means. I am not the one. I'm refusing to be called that. I refuse it. That isn't who I am. And I don't expect any of the results from it. I'm not the one. I am not the one. That isn't who I am. Say, I'm not the one. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Refused to be called that. Now, what we'll see is that there's a next step. There's a next step to after I'm not the one. Refusing to be called something. I refused. And then it said he did something else. It said he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he chose. See, we refuse and then we choose. I've told you who I'm not going to be and what I'm not going to do. And that's just the first half of it. To refuse one thing is to choose something else. Right. That makes sense, doesn't it? To refuse one thing is to choose something else, even if what I'm choosing is nothing. Do you want a cookie? No, I refuse the cookie. I'm not the one. What am I choosing? Nothing. I'm choosing to have nothing instead of a cookie. So you see that you refuse something, you choose something else. If I'm not that one, what one am I? What one am I? If I'm refusing to be, act like, or carry on like an Egyptian, then I have to choose something else. I have to choose Something else or I get something else even by default. And it ought to be something different. Otherwise, I'm going to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. If you say, hey, Stephen, aren't you the guy who always wears a green shirt? Nope, I'm not the one. Well, you got a green shirt on, though. (laughs) See what I'm saying? See how that works? Hey, Stephen, you have a temper just like your dad's, don't you? I'm not the one. Are you sure? I said I'm not the one. Right? It's going to look silly if you refuse something, but then you yet walk in it. You refuse one thing. You're choosing something else. Moses refused and then he chose. It's simple to say, if I'm not going to be that person, that old man, I'm going to be the new man. It is simple to say that. What does the new man do? What is it that this new man that I'm going to be, if I'm not going to be the old man that I refuse to be, what is it that I'm going to be as this new man? And then we choose to do that. It's simple to say it and it's difficult to do it. I'm not the one. Prove it to me by your choices. Prove it to me by your conduct. You tell me anything. You can say anything. He could have said, said, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and yet still lived in the palace. And still eat their food and still lived like them and still lived with them and just been saying that. 
If you refuse to be one thing and you choose to be another, what does that new thing, what does that new person do? You prove it by your choices. Y'all, at some point, we've got to make faithful choices. At some point, we've got to make faithful choices. And thank God, faith gives us the ability to see clearly and to choose rightly. To see clearly and choose rightly. And this is in our everyday. This is in our everyday. What is it that I'm doing every day? This week I was driving and listening to a book and I listened to a lot of books and some of them are crazy. Um, but this one had a little bit of truth in it. It was a man talking about his life. I won't tell you who he is. You'll get distracted by that. But he talked about how he had read a different book. And one line from that book jumped out to him, jumped out to me too. And it was an encouragement to form good habits and become their slave. Form good habits and become a slave to those good habits. And I had to pause it and I'm starting to think we're a slave to our habits, whether they're good or bad. We're going to continue. That's what a habit is. Something I continually do over and over that I make a habit of that I do every day. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. And what we need to choose to do is find the good and make ourselves a slave to that instead of these bad habits. Well, which one's which? Like we don't know. Like we don't. We know. We know which ones are good. You know which ones are good? The ones that are hard to do. The ones that are hard to do. Those are the ones that are good for you. The ones that are bad for you are the ones that are so easy to do on the front end and they're so hard on you later. The bad habits are easy to get into and then they rip you apart on the backside. The good habits are hard to get into on the front end and they build you up and carry you on and sustain you later on. Form good habits and be a slave to them. That that was a hmm moment for me. Moses couldn't help where he started. Do you see that? He couldn't help how his life started. He couldn't help how he got where he was. He was literally, when he was a baby, putting a basket in the river. He had nothing to do with that. He had nothing to do with where he started from. But this passage doesn't talk to us about that. It says when he got old enough, it was time for him to start making some decisions. He could have gone on for the rest of his life telling people, you don't know how bad it was. I was in that basket. I didn't have anything to do with it. It was done to me. I couldn't even help it. We know. We know. But it said he got to the age that it was time for him to make his own decisions. At that point, what would have kept him in Egypt wasn't his history, wasn't that he was in the basket and got adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. His history wasn't going to keep him in Egypt. It was going to be his own heart because he had got old enough to make his own decisions. He had got old enough to decide for himself what kind of man is it that I'm going to be? Am I going to be an Egyptian? I can't help how I got here. I started out my life as an Egyptian. It was really weird. 
Am I going to be an Egyptian or am I going to be a Hebrew? What kind of man is it that I'm going to be? It wouldn't have been his history that kept him in it. He couldn't help his history. History was history. He couldn't help what he was walking from. He could only control where he was going from there. And it tells me he got to the age. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, now he's got agency. Now he's got the ability to choose. You can't do anything about where you're coming from. You can only control where you're stepping towards. Going back to those habits, right? I can't do anything about how I got to right here. I can't go backwards and make that river flow in reverse. All I can do is start from here and make faithful choices. The choices you make now and going forward don't make your past untrue. They do not make it disappear. But what they can do is make it ineffective. The choices that you make starting now, don't make your past decisions, your past mistakes, your past experiences. They don't make them disappear. They don't make them even untrue. But they can make them ineffective. When you say, I'm not the one, I'm not this one, I'm not an Egyptian, I'm not going to walk like an Egyptian. (laughs) I didn't have that in my nose. Holy Spirit knew you needed to giggle for a second. The things I'm going to do are going to continually reinforce who I am and not who I don't want to be. And that gets into those habits and into those choices. So he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he chose what to be with God's people. He chose to be with God's people. And when he chose that, it says that he chose some specific things. He chose to suffer with God's people rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He chose to suffer with God's people. Rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin in Egypt. And he chose by faith. Faith let him see clearly. Because think about it. God's people were in slavery at that time. He could have lived in Egypt. He could have lived in the palace. Nice, comfortable, even pleasurable. But it says here it would have been fleeting. It would have been comfortable on the front end. But that comfort would have left and he would have been left in what? Sin. He would have been left in sin. Sin is fleeting. The pleasure of it is fleeting. Going back to those bad habits starts out real easy. Even fun. Hey, it would be fun for me to go home and eat three hamburgers today. I would probably enjoy that for a little bit. And then it would be pretty fleeting, wouldn't it? Sin is lying. It's deceitful is what scripture says. It promises things that it's not going to deliver. It delivers it just a little bit on the front end, gets you hooked, and then you never see that again, do you? So he could have chose that or chose what he did, which was to be with God's people, which was going to be difficult. But it was going to be difficulty that brought about an eternal reward. So you see the difference in his choices. Easy, ending in death. Difficult, ending in life. This is what he got to pick from. It's what we get to pick from. All of our choices can go those directions. Easy, ending in pain. 
or pain ending in life. We get to pick. We get to choose. How did he decide? By faith. But how did faith help him in that decision? Look at verse 26. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Since he was looking ahead to a reward. Faith changes how we see the past, how we see the present, and how we can see into the future. It changes how we see beauty, and it changes how we see wealth. It changes how we see what is really and truly important. And that's why scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. If I'm only walking by sight, I'm never picking the thing that's going to be difficult on the front end. Why would I do that? I hate difficulty. I want things to be easy. Walking by sight, I'm never going to pick what's difficult. I'm only going to pick that when I'm walking by faith because I can see the end of it. I can see afar off the end of it. There's short-term pleasure and long-term pain in those sinful choices. And there's short-term pain and difficulty in the right choices, but eternal joy and gladness. You see the difference. And you can only see that difference by faith. Otherwise, you'll never believe it. You have to see where the value really is because what we were talking about last Sunday as we were here early visiting You'll not suffer for something that you don't see as valuable. You will not suffer for something that you don't see as valuable. As you have to, that's why you have to see by faith. That's why you have to see by faith because faith reorders what we see as beautiful. Faith reorders what we fear and what we hold as most important. You will not suffer for something that you don't see as valuable. And that's why the Christian life has to be a life of faith. Otherwise, you will not make it. You will draw back because you, you are going to encounter difficulty. You are going to die to yourself. That is incredibly uncomfortable in the short term. To die to yourself. You are not going to want to do that unless faith reorders what you see as beautiful. Faith is your fuel to refuse. To not, I'm not going to be called that. I'm not the one. I'm not the one who does that. I'm not the one who loses their self-control. I'm not the one who casts away their confidence. I'm not the one who walks in selfishness. I'm not the one. I'm the one who chooses life. I'm the one who chooses to serve. I'm the one who chooses to press in even when it's difficult because there's lives on the line and I can see that by faith. And you prove it by what you've chosen. You prove that you've refused and you've chosen by what you do. What you choose to do. You have to see it by faith. It fits in well with Mother's Day. Because you, uh, you don't suffer for something you don't see as valuable. You will suffer for something that you see as valuable. You will lay down yourself for someone else. For these kids. Kelly always says, she's like, it's just a miracle that God makes us love these babies as much as we do. Because they treat us awful sometimes. 
She's like, he really knew. He really knew that he needed to make them cute and squishy and all that, especially when they're the meanest to you when they're little and they'll just cry in the middle of the night and just be ugly. And like, I've been feeding you. I've been taking care of you. You're just screaming at me. I wouldn't take this. Would you take that from almost anybody? Like I've been feeding you, clothing you, everything you need, I take care of. And you just yell at me. I wouldn't take that from a grown person, but you let a baby do it and then look at you and go, ah, and you're just like, I'm done. I'll do it again tomorrow. I'll do it again tomorrow. Why? Because you're, you see that as valuable and you see what you're putting into them. You're sowing your strength into their weakness, knowing by faith that strength is going to come out. Strength is going to come out, that it's going to be a blessing and that there is a purpose. You're not going to suffer for something you don't see as valuable. You know why? Because you could be doing something else. You could be doing something else for every believer. You could be doing something else that's easier on you. You could be doing something else. I could be doing something else. I'll leave from here today tired. Tired today. I could be doing something else. The golf course is open today. It is pretty outside. I could have I could have stayed home. I could have slept in. I could be doing something else. But I seen by faith that it's worth suffering for. There's suffering in this in this walk because you're, you're having to lay things down. You're having to put up with things that you wouldn't have to put up with if you were just by yourself. But you see things different by faith. You could always be doing something else. Pick the best thing to do. Pick the best thing and do that. Pick the thing, you know, you know what? That looks like it's going to be difficult, but I can see over on the backside of it that there's a whole lot of good in that. I think I ought to be doing that. Because the other things are fleeting. The other things aren't going to produce what I want them to produce. And I won't then be who it is that I really want to be. I'll turn into that person that I tried to refuse and not the person that I said I was choosing. You will always have the option to do something else, especially as you continue on in this life and you get to the point where things start to get a little bit easier. You can be doing something else. Pick the best and you choose that by faith. You suffer so that someone else can stand on their two feet, just like those mothers do. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to put up with this. I'm going to give up sleep. I'm going to give up time. I'm going to give up energy because I'm going to get you to where you're strong enough to stand on your own. Do that for other people. Because somebody did it for you. Somebody did it for you. Suffer that someone else can stand. How do we do that? How do we, how do we have that faith so that I can see afar off? We have to hear the word. We have to alone by myself. I have to hear it. I have to read it. I have to study it. I have to be in it. I have to constantly confront myself with it. Otherwise, my stupid head is going to start to think that other things are true. That this isn't the thing that's most true in this life. And I'm going to not know what I need to refuse. I'm going to not know what I need to choose. And I'm just going to be making it on my own wit and wisdom. And we know how that goes. So I have to hear it by myself. And then we have to do it together. 
We have to, because even if I'm by myself, if I only read it by myself at some point, I'm going to get off. I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to get over into error. I've got to be amongst the body where somebody hears me say that. And Richard goes, hey, uh, what you said, that, uh, that's wrong. <laughs> right? We have to have that accountability and that love and grace for one another where we go, hey, 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 let, let, let's, let's line this back up. Let's line this back up. And is that, is that easy? Is that an easy habit to form? Mm-mm. No. Is a relationship like that easy to build? No, it's not. But my gosh, it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth it. Faith, hearing the word, both alone and corporately, so that we can see clearly what true beauty and true wealth really is, and that we can choose rightly. I wrote this down this morning. I forgot I wrote it down. It's really good. Where do I want my suffering? How do you want your suffering? You know, like when you go to some restaurants, they ask you what you order and like, when do you want this dish? When do you want it to, you know, it's coming. Where, where do you want it? Where do you want your suffering? Do you want it on the front end? Short term where you're being trained and disciplined in godliness and making your best choices in this life to walk with him by faith, resulting in eternal wealth and eternal weight of glory. Do you want your suffering over here? Or do you want to take the, the easy road that's wide that lots of folks walk on it? It's real easy to walk on. It's real smooth. Lots of folks take that path and it's easy. But where does it lead to destruction? That's what Jesus said. This is what he means when he said the truth sets you free. He said that this path is wide and a lot of people walk on it. And it leads to destruction. Why do a lot of people walk on it? Because it's wide and it's easy to walk on. He said this is the path that not a few take. The straight and narrow path. Why? Because it's not easy to walk on up front. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Both of them have suffering. Where do you want yours? Where do you want it? On the front end, making faithful choices, or on the back end? Where do you want your suffering? Moses had a choice, but he didn't have either choice without suffering. Do you notice that? We don't have it either. Where do you want it? Where is it that you want? And see, you may be thrown off by that word suffering. It just means that I'm having to put forth effort, strain, difficulty, resistance, weight that I'm being pressed on. Where do you want it? Where do you want it? He chose rightly. And then thankfully, we had another one come after him. Who was a better Moses? who lived in the palace and chose to empty himself of all of that and take on the difficulty of being down here with us. Take on the difficulty of stepping out from where he was into where we are so that we could be with him. Endured even just the difficulty of being us, not mention the suffering that he went through in his sacrifice. He chose And how does Hebrews say that he chose it? For the joy that was set before him. He saw by faith, didn't he? He's like, I'm about to endure something that's going to be absolutely terrible. But look afar off. 
Look out there. He could have chosen to disobey and it'd been easy for a little bit. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and did for us what only he could do. His sacrifice that only he could make. And then what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. And it says that that's where he remains till he returns to judge the living and the dead. That's where he remains. And what's he doing? He's making intercession for us. He's praying over and for us. And I got to think that one of the things that he's praying is that we will read verses like Hebrews eleven twenty four and see the story of Moses and say, I've got some choices. Either the fleeting pleasures of sin and that this world can offer, or I can choose to walk with God's people and consider reproach for the sake of Christ, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, because I can see like he can see. I can see afar off to that reward. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you tell us the truth. And I thank you that it sets us free. Lord, you brought this to, I've been chewing on this for a while. You've been teaching my heart. I thank you that you teach the hearts of others that will hear it too. I thank you, Lord, that you take us step by step in this life from where we are to where we would best be. And Lord, we, we, we don't rely on our own strength, but we thank you that you make us strong. And we, we don't rely on our own wisdom, but we thank you that you make us wise. Lord, we ask you for faith that we can access your grace because we know that it's sufficient. And Father, I pray that you will help us as we look to refuse. I'm not the one. I'm not the one who thinks that way. I'm not the one who walks that way. I'm a child of the Most High God. I don't walk that way. I don't make my decisions like that. I don't, I don't operate under that paradigm. I'm not the one. I choose to follow Jesus. And in following him, I embrace all the truth that he's given me. And I want to hide it so deep in my heart that I might not sin against you. And Lord, I know that I'm not the one that can sustain it. I'm not that one either. I'm not him. But I know that you can. And Lord, I thank you that you'll help me in the difficulty, not give up. But to remain steadfast in the faith that, that I'll see clearly. Because it's when I stop seeing clearly that I, that, that, that I get uh, bogged down and that I get distressed and that I feel like giving up. It's when I don't see clearly that I feel that away. And I thank you that you've given me the ability to see clearly. And Lord, that I'll continue to, to come before you in your presence and, and in your word to have, have my eyes washed out and, and, and with the washing of the word so that I can see you as you are high and lifted up. Your train fills the temple. You, you always have been and you always will be. And, and I don't want to live in Egypt without you. I'd rather live in the wilderness with you than anywhere else that, that you're not. I want to be where you are. And like Moses said, if you're not going with us as we go from, all, from this place, we're not going anywhere because we don't want to be without you. Because by faith, we have seen you as most valuable. Father, I thank you for that mother's heart that, that, that suffers for the sake of another. 
Lord, I thank you for the value that we see in those babies. And I, I ask that you encourage the hearts of, of mothers uh, today to see afar off what you're doing, the work that you're doing in those children that only you can do. And I thank you that we get to be involved. We, we can do all that we can do. And I thank you that we get to be a part. But Lord, all that we can do doesn't get us very far. We need you. And I thank you that you don't leave us on our own. Lord, I pray that as we go into this week, that we do so with you in mind. Whatever we face, whatever we come against, or whatever happens to come against us, I thank you, Lord, that we can say, I'm not the one. I'm not the one that draws back. I'm the one that overcomes. I'm not the one who has lost control of their self. I'm the one who, who, who runs this by faith and the authority that you have given me. That's the one I am. That's who I am. That's who you've called me to be. And I thank you that you remind us of that. Lord, we love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.